Hi everybody, I'm Peter Travers. This is Popcorn where we tell you what's happening at the movies. And there's a movie now called The Incredibles 2. I know, I had to wait 14 years and so do you. But I'm telling you, it's totally worth it. And my guest today, Holly Hunter, well, she's won every award there is. But as Helen Parr slash Elastigirl, she gets to dominate this movie like no tomorrow. She is the hero of this story and I couldn't be more delighted and couldn't be more delighted to see you. Mm, great to see you too. And look, you get to do all this with your voice. You yeah. don't have to fly around and look at green screens and do any of that. No, that's, that's, just make that's it a delight. Yeah. To do, you know, Brad Bird was my green screen. Um, you know, the animators who were just phenomenal. Um, you know, I we we gave it all to them and their incredible imaginations. So it was it was really fun to do that. So did they do? Is all the animation done first? No, none so. of it. None of it is. Uh, I, you know, um, I think that animation takes so much time. It's so intensive uh, that we lay down our vocal tracks and then you know they hear the dialogue and just kind of are inspired by what they hear their own imaginations are kind of enlivened I hope by it. Well we should tell everybody too even though it's been 14 years since the first Incredibles was out this picks up as if it were yes 14 14 seconds later yeah, 14 um, seconds which later. is what you can only do you know with the with with animation so that was kind of i thought amusing that's right you don't have to look your best do you well you just yeah. go you go into the studio are you allowed to do your voice work with the other actors or are you always separated that's what i keep hearing i'm always separate however i wasn't alone and i never felt alone because Brad Bird was standing with me in the room. Mm -hmm. He wasn't in the booth, and w while I was uh, solo, he was l like w you, where you are right, right now. So there was something, there was a camaraderie. Um, he was my acting partner. So he's reacting to what you're doing. Yeah, and, and, well, actually, he was acting. He played all the other characters. Well, um, he could do it. And he can do it. And his voice work as Edna uh, is it's just... brilliant. It is. And it was great to have her back, too. I know. I know. And Jack-Jack is phenomenal. Every single second that he's on screen, he's a revelation, a literal revelation. Well, he is because he can turn into, <laughs> he can turn into so many things. I mean, he I can go into the fourth dimension. He really so. can. And he can become Demon Baby. Well, what's so cool is that that baby has the superpowers that were only discovered by the bad guy like 30,000 feet up in the sky, then the bad guy is dead and the baby comes back down. And his parents are, it's all of this is unknown to them. Mm -hmm. So you go into the second movie with the parents still believing that their child is normal, a totally normal baby. So that is a great kind of secret that the audience has, you know, well, Daddy, Mr. Incredible has to keep that uh, from you, you know, because you're on some whirlwind <laughs> tour 
and saving the world doing that. Right. Because and it, it's fun that we get to kind of, you know, trade trade off because in the in the the uh, original movie, I am a very reluctant hero. I only don my super suit because I have to save my husband. Uh, but other than that, I have no enthusiasm at all for re-entering that world. Whereas my husband is uh, in love with it, intoxicated by being a super. Uh, so in this movie, I get the job of being um, the superhero, and he stays at home taking care of the children. And um, it was a great revelation for me about six months uh, after we started shooting, after we started recording, I turned to Brad and I just said, my part is so great. <laughs> I've got something to play. But she does all of these amazing things, but the timing of this, where Elastigirl is in the center of this action, couldn't be better in the time we live. Well, you know, with the, with the time's up and me yeah, too, right. it's really, um, uh, you know, it's serendipitously beautifully timed. I mean, Brad certainly didn't uh, um, imagine this. this. I think that he had this storyline in place mm -hmm. a decade ago. Mm -hmm. But it is fantastic and it's very satisfying for me to um, inhabit that world. What happens when you see it all put together? Does it surprise you? <laughs> well, I, I thought, actually thought the first movie was shocking. Well, it, it is kind of. I had no idea that that's what we were working you on. You didn't know because, you know, the, the Incredibles are, they're basically against the law. They're, nobody wants superheroes anymore. Um, this is the setup for what's happening. Right. And you've got to win the public to the superhero side again. Right, right. And it, what you're seeing in that first movie was this husband who doesn't know what to do with himself and needs to come back to Well, do he's kind of an adolescent, really. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think that in this movie you see kind of the adolescence of, of Elastigirl. You see her kind of, you know, remeshing with her teenage self. You know, when I get on the bike, it's like you find out that I used to have a mohawk. And I probably didn't have a mohawk <laughs> when I was 30. Um, so I think that's a kind of fun little detour that the movie takes. It's like a lot of the characters revisit a kind of adolescent spirit. But, you know, you do every kind of performance, every kind of movie. There's no specific Holly Hunter kind of performance. Well, look, you know, we, we've got to we, hop around now to find the good work, to find interesting stuff. And there's plenty of places to move around, especially with television being so massive. And uh, the world binge-watching. As as and the world binge-watching. I mean, there's a lot of different... You know, um, there's a lot of content out there for, for actors. Well, and look, you talked about here and now, this is a series that Alan Ball does. It takes a risk, you know? Whether it works or it doesn't, it depends on who's watching it or not watching it. True. But you're committed 100% to what you're doing in it. You well, and with here and now, that was like the most brilliant, um, inspiring cast. Uh, you know, I, I'm kind of in love with the, all of those young actors and Tim Robbins. It was just... You know, we all felt really privileged. Ben, you did uh, last year The Big Sick, too, which is yeah. another terrific movie. Oh, thank you, Peter. Completely done unexpectedly, out oh, of truth, out of somebody's real story. Yeah, yeah. Kamel Nanjiani and Emily Gordon were, you know, once again, I miss those guys. I mean, it was just such an amazing, 
uh, cast that I, I, I miss them. I don't blame you. Well, what? So is it exciting? Is this part of your career as exciting as it was when you were starting it? Well, look, I mean, I, I, I kind of, I, uh, well, I mean, I, I started in New York, and I remember I was working at HBO as a, as a temp secretary, and I got my first um, acting gig. I got my first play. Mm-hmm. It was an off-off-Broadway play at the St. Clement's Theater in Manhattan mm-hmm. on, like, 46th Street between 9th and 10th. And, um, I, you know, I was on fire. I felt on fire that I was going to be in a play that I loved. It was a play that I particularly adored. And I quit HBO. And um, they all wished me, wished me luck. And, and I, you know, took off. And uh, it's been a really exciting ride. And I've, I, you know, I, I, I love what I do. Well, there's uh, Francis McDormand told me you two were roommates at this time. Right. What was? Where, where were you rooming? Where was? And this? and and in fact, that that is true. Fran and I were roommates in '81. Uh, well, yeah, she graduated from Yale in '81, mm-hmm. and then we moved in. We moved up to the North Bronx together. Both looking for jobs. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. The two of you in but one, very confident. The two of you in one apartment seems like a lot. That seems <laughs> it seems like there would be a lot of intensity there. We listened to a lot of Talking Heads. Talking Heads was really huge at that time, so you know. That's great. Why not, yeah, David yeah, Byrne? Yeah. You know, this is yeah. A, David Byrne yeah. was it. So you listening to music? Were you advising each other on? Things? Well, I mean, Fran was you know is and and was then a really good cook. Mm-hmm. Um, so we did a lot of house cleaning to various kinds of music, but we had a we had a blast. <laughs> it's great. And then you wind the first movie you had done, right? Major roles, Raising Arizona. Right. So good. That movie is still as good as it was the, oh, well, the minute you. it was made. Well, you you have the Coens to thank for that. Well, the Coens just kind of are nonstop. You know, I don't they, think there's much improving with the Cone Brothers script. Well, they 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 have like such such an amazing ear for dialogue and and their storytelling is, you know, you don't there's there's no real there, you don't, you don't need to improve it. Mm-hmm. You know, the rhythmically it's so specific that you want to you want to bring the the impeccable art. So that happens. You do this Cone Brothers movie. What happens next to you? What is the next step? Because we, did you go back to doing other jobs because you were waiting for the right part? No, I mean, after I did Broadcast News, then I, I mean, after I did Raising Arizona, I did Broadcast okay. News. Yeah. So that was the next thing that I did. It was a good wheels off the ground moment for me. What's going on in your head? Were you tough on the projects you did? Because it seems like if you didn't feel committed to something, you wouldn't do it. Um, no, you know, I, I, I was lucky. I, I had some incredible things to choose from. Um, and, and of course, that's not always been the case. Uh, and I think that the older that an actress gets, the more challenging it is to find great stuff. I mean, I think that there are fewer parts for any woman, but particularly as you get older, um, once you, you know, cross the, the threshold of 40, it becomes more difficult for actresses, and I think that that's still absolutely true. 
Has it gotten better though for women? From your point of view? Are there are there more? I, I would say probably not. Um, I mean, I think television has the opportunity for it to be much better, but it, it still, you know, I, I think that, you know, statistically we're talking about it being a little depressing. Um, I, I think if you look at just like the math, that it doesn't look great. But at the same time, I have hope because of there's an energy that's flowing, an ener- energy that's really pushing mm-hmm. um, for there to be many more female directors, you know, unapologetically more female crew, uh, more stories for, for women. So I'm hoping that with Me Too, Time's Up, I mean, that that whole flow of energy is going to help um, stories and what, what stories we, we tell. Mm-hmm. Well, because there's a strength that's happening in reaction to this. Did you experience any of this kind of harassment yourself? Oh, of course. I mean, you know, I can't think of a woman who hasn't. I mean, it was part of the, it was part of the, the language. I mean, it, it's, it's like it's in the water. Um, it's part of our culture, our how we're brought, brought up socially. Uh, you know, it's there. Are, we have to change a different, a different way of speaking the language in a, you know, well, we, to a great degree. We do, but was part of that being silent about it? Of course, it, it, it's it's. That you seems know, the most frightening and the most disempowering. Uh, I, I think the thing that that people don't understand, and even if it's happened to you, it's still difficult to understand the, the kind of casual humiliation that somehow I think women have have felt responsible or that they messed up or it's too humiliating to admit that it happened. Um, you would be not believed. Mm-hmm. I think the worst would, would be that you would be scorned, not believed, or even made invisible, like it didn't happen. Let's pretend. We say it didn't happen, so it didn't. Yeah, I mean, I think that there are all these tools of coping with it that we societally have kind of integrated into our uh, lives. And now women are saying we've got to be, we have to be cognizant, we have to be um, vocal about it, uh, and that there's got to be consequences, and we're, we're, see- we're seeing that. Well, you know, you know, moving ahead a few years for what you're doing, when you do the piano... You have no voice. The character has no voice. Yes, but, but she's, she has total uh, thoughts are in her head and defiance is in her as well. Well, I, I think that the, the character actually had autonomy, um, even though it was a time of, of, of being imprisoned, even by the very clothes that she was wearing. Um, there was a certain being in, in, imprisoned by them. But but I think that that in her is uh, a, a, a spirit, an entity that was really untouched by anybody's influence. And that made her, I think, a really galvanizing character. Are you tough on yourself when you see yourself? Um, well, um, you know, I, Jenna Rowland taught me to go to dailies. She said, it's your school. You will learn, um, learn from your mistakes. Uh, and I, for me personally, that was really valuable. A lot of people don't like to watch their dailies, and I get that. Mm-hmm. It's torturous to a, to a degree. 
torturous. But for me personally, whenever I have watched them, it's, it's very helpful as to, 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 to find the parameters of the character um, and stuff that you never want to see yourself do again. You know, mm-hmm. that it's a good training ground. Well, no, I understand that. And I understand what you as a woman would go through because the, everything was women can't do this, specifically motherhood and combining that with a career. Right. What do, why are women always told they can't? They have to be one or the other. You can't really do this. Well, I, I, I think some of that is the, the, the intimidation factor of, of the power that women can possess by being, not necessarily being able to do it all, but we, we can't give birth. That's a little awesome. Mm-hmm. I can't do it. Um, <laughs> and th- therefore, I think that there's a tremendous amount of strength in women uh, that, that, is, that, that can be, um, that can be uh, scary. And um, there it is on the screen in Incredibles 2. And there's Elastigirl. She's right. doing it. <laughs> she's, See, Brad. Well, she's got Jack Jack. Brad's not scared of that. Brad Bird, who yeah. created it, is not because I think his wife is last a girl. I think he mm-hmm. modeled my character after his wife, so he is used to being around an incredibly strong woman mm-hmm. who has great imagination and flexibility. <laughs> no, it's not surprising <laughs> that that would happen. Right. Even I don't know where Edna comes from. You know, in terms of the creation of that. But this show always ends in a little bit of song. Oh, yeah, So I don't know what you had. Well, you did it for me last time. Oh, what did I do? You were brilliant. I'm not going to tell you because you'll do it again. But what about this? Very good, Look, and nobody's ever done that. Beethoven. It's, I, it's Beethoven's, beautiful. Beethoven's ninth. I mean, it's like the most beautiful. To me, it's the most beautiful. I mean, of course, I can't do it justice, but... You came really close. I, the majesty of that. It's the passion of it. Thank you so hey, much. Hey, but, but Peter, what oh. did I sing the last time? You sang a little... It was weird because only one other person on the show ever sang You Are My Sunshine. And I don't know oh. why you had that in your head. Oh, but yeah. Robert De Niro sang it. Uh, well, and he tried to De Niro. steal your thunder, and I said, "No, De Niro Holly did it. I love that. Wow!" 